This is The Defrag, I'm Christopher Lawson. As the world moves towards a clean energy future, we've embraced renewables like rooftop solar. Australia is the market leader in rooftop solar adoption on a per capita basis, with more than 3 million homes or 1 in 3 households having installed panels. But all of this solar generation creates significant challenges for the energy network. Most of these panels are feeding energy into the grid, but our grids were not designed to have so many distributed resources. This week, the state of Western Australia joined South Australia in being able to switch off solar production on homes. So why would we want to switch off renewable generation? And what does this mean for homeowners who have invested thousands of dollars in panels for their roofs? Well, so there's two aspects to it, and we we are leading the world in this um, regard um, in terms of per capita rooftop solar. But, um, what the rooftop solar does, um, as well as utility scale solar, actually, that means large um, solar farms, is that uh, it eats out the demand in the middle of the day. And that means that while um, the rooftop panels are generating, there's less need for the flexible generators, um, but the, the, the dirtier generators, um, coal and gas, particularly uh, coal, uh, brown and black coal in Australia, and they start to wind back their, back their production. This is Ariel Liebman, director of the Monash Energy Institute at Monash University. And if that um, eating away gets um, too extreme, then some of them might need to be turned off because they cannot operate below, say, 30 to 40 percent of their maximum operating level they need to be shut down and um, and that creates some challenges if then you need to um, uh, bring them back on again quickly uh, if the massive cloud bank suddenly cuts across your solar or um, some uh, one of the other generators trips particularly the the thermal ones the the sorry the coal and, and gas ones trip off due to instability which they do on a regular basis that's a known feature of them and then so the system will find it hard to recover uh, its uh, frequency um, which is a measure of how um, uh, how everything is synchronized together so um, yeah hopefully that uh, makes sense that's the, the key issue that we're dealing with particularly uh, in the context of the Western Australian uh, announcement recently. Right, so so this is a fairly significant issue for for the network. It, you know, it seems to be like an issue that you face as as you sort of like hit a transition point where a lot of the network is switching to more, you know, towards more renewable sources. Yes, yes. So it's um it's something that's basically unavoidable. We're moving it from a, a system dominated globally by coal and natural gas burning with some hydro and in some cases there's a lot of hydro so it's quite flexible and able to manage these things better but a lot of systems are dominated by coal and gas and that's a and the way that system um, is kept uh, coordinated and stable is actually technologies that were developed in the 19th century uh, they're really in a sense almost uh, steam age technologies using frequency and, and other measures as uh, signals for everything to lock onto and keep stable. And now we're getting all these new devices, which were uh, of various kinds, um, rooftop solar and then um, wind and, and um, large-scale solar, and they're really not in the same control paradigm. And so lots of things are starting to have to be reinvented. And this is an issue um, across the board uh, around the world. And Australia is kind of leading the pack here. Maintaining an energy network is a fairly complex undertaking. 
the grid needs to operate at a particular frequency and the energy put into the network needs to be used immediately. So if there's too much solar generation at a specific point in the day, it can cause a significant spike and those spikes can be very difficult to manage. So, so it's worth um, noting that this is an interim measure. The ESB, um, the Electricity, uh, sorry, Energy Security Board, which was doing a review of the market frameworks and operational um, standards in, in view of the coming technologies, calls this uh, emergency backstop. Um, these these sorts of mechanisms. So they're not designed to be there for uh, forever. Um, they are just until we find other ways to absorb that excess renewable energy um, that is hard to balance under the current system management uh, technologies we have. So that means things like um, additional batteries, either uh, at home or a utility scale, either at your uh, transformer or uh, on a large scale grid, or um, as electric vehicles come in, they will absorb some of the excess uh, generation and uh, as we bring in more um, smart inverter technologies or grid forming inverters as they're sometimes known for the larger scale um, renewable generators on the system all of these will push forward um, uh, or rather reduce the requirement for these sort of emergency backstop metrics measures. So it is really seen as an interim measure, you know, until we get to the point where we have something to, to, to soak up all of that excess generation because the network needs to use energy as it's created. Yeah, at the moment it does, yes. And once we have storage, then basically you don't need to use energy where it's or electricity where it's created and this is what makes electricity systems different from other energy systems like oil and gas where storage is much easier and simpler you just you know store your gas in a reservoir or your oil in um, reservoirs and then the whole system is much more resilient Australia is obviously a blessed country when it comes to solar, you know, in terms of the amount of sunlight, etc that that we have um you know, and there's been, you know, very generous incentives uh, to encourage the uptake of, of rooftop solar. Is Australia the only country that's facing these sorts of challenges with the rollout of, of solar? Um, no, everybody will be facing it. We're just potentially the first to face it because of um, our, you know, blessing of the um, amount of solar we have and uh, the kind of load profiles we experience, the, 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 the kind of weather-dominated um load profile where a lot of heating and cooling drives our um, customer and um, commercial business demand and so um, and our relatively um, skinny grid as you might call it uh, it's because of the way we are you know population is distributed along um, strips along the coastline we don't have quite as meshed a grid which is easier to keep stable to some extent so the network needs to be able to switch off solar generation to help us through this transition as we move from fossil fuels across to renewables. But what impact does that have on homeowners who have spent thousands of dollars on panels? That's coming up right after this break. Thanks for listening to The Defrag. Our goal with the show is to build a self-sustaining news brand that dives into and explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. 
For the defrag to be a true success, we really need your support. We don't want to be reliant on just having to find advertisers, but we do want the core of our content to remain free. Which is why at our website, thedefrag.com, you can support the show by becoming a member of our free newsletter, or you can become a paid supporter. There are membership plans ranging from just $9 a month up to $50 a month, depending on how you want to support the show. And for your support, you'll get a range of different perks, including an ad-free version of the podcast, access to exclusive VIP events and live streams, and we'll send everyone that signs up a sticker pack. You can find out more at our website, thedefrag.com. Solar is now the cheapest form of energy generation in history. It's become so affordable that millions of people are now reaping the benefits of having rooftop solar on their homes. And the excess energy generated by rooftop solar is fed back into the grid and homeowners are rewarded with a feed-in tariff. So how do we decide when to actually cut someone off? And what impact does that have on the homeowner who has spent thousands on their panels? People who are uh, lower socioeconomic uh, uh, part of the spectrum and do have solar, uh, we need to find ways that they might be um, uh, the last to be turned off and um, and various uh, things like then of course um, trying to you know uh, pass the message on to consumers that it's really unavoidable it's such a hysteric technical issue as to why this needs to be done then and then a lot of consumers are putting rooftop solar on their roof not just to save money but also to contribute to the environment and if this sort of curtailment um, uh, happens too soon, too, too often, and they, their actual emission reduction benefits of their solar is, is, is jeopardised. People would be quite unhappy. When you think about it, the decision to install rooftop solar on your home is one of the few chances that you as an individual get to have a say in the makeup of the energy grid. The discussions around energy often involve governments and networks and retailers, but consumers rarely get a say. So, so, so you've got to take account of the diversity of the um, reasons why different people put solar on their roof, and and so something that's not been done very well in the Australian system to date, and perhaps not not done that well anywhere in the world, is is uh, you know having participatory processes where consumers and people in general are put at the centre of the decision making, not not as like oh, just these annoying people at the end of my uh, line that you know you know that should just pay me money and be quiet and be happy they got electricity <laughs> which is kind of the, the, the uh, some people see as, as really the attitude the old world attitude and you know this, this is being of course changed by a lot of progressive utilities and distributors around Australia but there, there's perhaps some way to go and it's some of the things that the universities like Monash and our CRC are working on. Also in the news today, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has invoked emergency powers in an attempt to end widespread protests in the Canadian capital. The Freedom Convoy protests 
started by angry truckers, have drawn large groups of individuals frustrated with vaccine mandates and angry at government policy. The powers will give the Canadian government additional scope to bar travel or evacuate people from particular regions. The move still needs to be approved by the Canadian Parliament. The state of Texas is suing Meta over their use of facial recognition on Facebook. The state is alleging that Facebook captured biometric data from its users without informed consent, violating state laws. While Facebook stopped using facial recognition technology late last year, Texas claims Facebook was misusing the data collected to build an AI-powered virtual reality empire. And UK tax officials at Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, or HMRC, have seized three NFTs as part of an ongoing investigation into VAT fraud. It's the first time the UK has seized NFTs as the tax office is trying to crack down on people laundering money using cryptocurrencies. It's not yet clear how much the NFTs were worth, as they are yet to be independently valued. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was produced and hosted by me, Christopher Lawson. James Parkinson is one of our producers. You can find out more about the show or become a Defrag member at our website, thedefrag.com. And if you love what we're doing, then consider sharing it with a friend. Sharing is really caring. That's all we have for today. I'll speak to you tomorrow.